know, a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks you can only find a reverse cowgirl at a rodeo. Hello all, welcome back to the Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane and on this week's show I'll be looking at flirty and funny opening lines, talking all things orgasms with Annabelle Knight and finding out your worst dating app stories. If you like what you hear then please rate, review, subscribe, you know the deal, do it wherever you get your podcasts and I hope you're ready because I'm about to swipe right, you lucky things. Hello, daters, haters, singletons and mingletons. I found a lovely article in the depths of the Metro by Jessica Lindsay, and it's got 40 funny and flirty opening lines for when you're messaging someone. So I thought I'd give this a go on you, my lovely little guinea pigs. I mean, listeners. Because I think it's really important to make a good first impression. I don't think any of us are impressed with, oh, hey, hi, hey, baby. Well, at least I hope you're not. I like to think you've got standards. You are listening to me after all. (laughs) Personally, I think asking someone questions about their profile is always a really good way to start. It's one of the best ways, actually, because then it shows that you've looked at their profile and you're not going for stock openers. But I totally get it because in some cases, they're profile is pretty empty which is a bit of a shame so here's some ideas to help you get a bit more creative I picked out my favorite three and if you want some help on finding your perfect opening line then head to the metro.co.uk so in no particular order (laughs) this one I quite like help me choose what to make for dinner I'll buy you breakfast after our date in return. Oh, it says a lot. (laughs) Go for it. Uh, Number two, do you like bad boys slash girls? Because I'm really bad at this. That is totally true. I love the honesty. (laughs) And that really does sum me up. I am very bad at writing to people. Uh, Number three, tell me two truths and a lie about you. And I'll try and guess which one is fake. Now, that's quite good because you're asking, you're immediately asking for questions about them and you're immediately asking them about themselves. And also it's a little bit of a game and you can't go wrong with that. Look, as long as you stick to something personal than generic, then, oh, God, I think you're on to a winner. Because after all, anything is better than just saying hi. So what works for you? Did you get suckered in by a bad dad joke? Let me know in all the usual places. But I'll tell you who I'd swipe right on, though. It's this week's guest. <laughs> Segway. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys, we all know that sex education is in a pretty bad state. Oh, of course we know about contraception, but what about the fun bits? As for female pleasure, well, that just doesn't even get a look in. But this week's guest is definitely someone who is putting right what once went wrong. She's a best-selling author, celebrity relationship coach, and the all-round expert you need in your pocket for all things pleasure-orientated sex. It's the glorious Annabelle Knight! Oh my goodness, what an introduction. I think I want to save that and just have it as my ringtone. (laughs) (laughs) Just have it whenever you walk into a room, like your own little MC. Yeah, like a fanfare first and then that. Yeah, I I like it, I like it. 
Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. It's an absolute joy to have you here. You're doing so many things that I'm amazed you managed to squeeze us into your diary. So thank you. It's my pleasure to talk about pleasure. Always. Ah, there she is. There's the pro. <laughs> I want to talk to you about sex education and I want to talk to you your, um, about your project Climax and, and all the great things. But I just want to start off with um, something that I found on Reddit, <laughs> which is about sex education. So it does tie in a little bit. So I found 45 questions that 13 year olds have anonymously asked their sex education teacher. And I wondered whether you would just humor me and whether we could just uh, like have a go at answering some of them. What do you say? Oh my goodness. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Pick a number, all inclusive of one to 45. Oh my goodness. Let's go for 37. 37. Okay. What is the purpose of pubic hair? Oh, I like this one. Okay. Mm. So pubic hair actually has a, you know, a bit of a job in the fact in a couple of different ways. So we have in a similar way to kind of your eyelashes or your nasal hair, it's there to create a little bit of a barrier for your nether regions and it helps with hygiene. It also, as a side note, is part of your kind of sexual response mechanisms. So they've got lots of nerves there um, and some people like to incorporate gentle tugging or tweezing during their sexual pleasure sessions. So it has a couple of different purposes. Ah, oh, that's a really good answer. <laughs> I've actually learned something. <laughs> well done, everyone. 13-year-olds and Annabelle Knight. This is... Great fun. Okay, let's try. Let's uh, let, throw me another number. Let's see what else. We uh, have. 16. 16. We have. Is it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Just the state of sex education. Is it possible to get an erection from watching t- a TV show or a movie? Like, um, yeah. Yes. It's yeah. also positive to get an erection in the supermarket, in the street, for no apparent reason. Uh, for very obvious reasons, i.e. you are pleasuring yourself, sometimes the penis has a mind of its own, especially in your kind of younger teenage years when you're going through puberty, there's a lot of hormonal changes and shifts that are happening. So, for example, um, a lot of people with a penis might wake up with an erection and not know why. Um, You know, at this time of a young person's life, there's a lot of bodily changes going on. So, um, sometimes inconvenient or unexplainable erections may occur. Have you ever talked to children, Annabelle? You're doing this in a very straightforward way. I yeah. have never taught children sex, but I will tell you one thing, and this may come across, um, I'm just going to say it and, and we'll see how it sounds. Uh, <laughs> a lot of adults don't have it or haven't had decent, well-rounded, informative sex education, and they carry kind of sexual ignorance and apprehension into their adult lives so and I'm a big believer of uh, age appropriate sex education but thorough sex education so I would probably speak to a young person in the same way maybe altering the language ever so slightly um, as I would an adult so uh, I just I just think sex education is is a fundamental human necessity and I don't like the idea of sugaring the pill so much that the pill becomes something we no longer recognise. 
Oh, I like that. Is that why you like you? So you're working with Climax at the moment. Yes, Climax is brilliant. That seems like very um, educationally oriented, but also very highly erotic. Like I was watching the video for that and that's not even something you have to go behind the paywall to watch and it's already a little bit saucy. What's Climax? Tell us all about it. Well, Climax is... um... Uh, okay, so have I don't know if anyone's aware of this, but there's a, a porn category called Joy J O I, mm. and it stands for Jerk Off Instructions. So it's very kind of an informative, guided way to masturbate. And Climax is sort of in the same category. It's an educational tool designed to help you explore and educate yourself and your your body. And it's all about pleasure. It's all about maximizing your potential for satisfaction, whether you're on your own or, or with a partner or partners. Um, and it's a video-based platform. You, there is a paywall there. You can subscribe, but there is some free content. And essentially, it's videos guiding you through um, yeah, a masturbation session. And it's absolutely fantastic. We've had such a good response from it. People are really kind of uh, starting to enjoy it. Maybe a little bit of apprehension to start with. The idea of uh, guided masturbation might seem a bit alien to some people because it feels very much like it should be in, like we should all know instantly how to do this because it's our bodies but the, the actual fact of the matter is yeah a lot of us can pleasure ourselves and that's fine big tick but there's lots of other ways to gain pleasure and you might find something that works better for you in in the long run so it's it's all about kind of education and experimentation and it's for uh for vulvas for vulvas at the moment so there we are talking about a shift um, diversifying and making it more kind of acceptable and diverse and suitable for everyone. But it's still a really new platform. Uh, mm. We're kind of still in our infancy stages. So we are definitely in talks and getting there and making some changes so that it becomes more accessible for everyone. I think that's a great start, though, because we often talk a lot about how, uh, especially in sex education, we're not taught about female pleasure. So, you know... It- it's that so- <laughs> it's straight over the heads of the educational system, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it almost feels sometimes like if you have a clitoris and a vagina and all those parts, your the role you play in sex education is baby carrying. Yeah. You are a, you're a vessel. And, and while, you know, that is something we all definitely need to be educated on, the main reason most of us have sex isn't to procreate, it's mm. to have a nice time. And mm. if we're missing kind of the, the 99% of uh, sexual encounters, if we're missing that, the education is really lacking. Yeah. Or if we're just doing it just so that someone else can climax or if it's, yeah. you know, the speed. And and um, I think what a lot of people think when they're when we talk about female pleasure is like an orgasm. But that's not necessarily the the goal. No, 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 no. So I like to take orgasm off the table because I think it, like, I hate to use this term, but fake news. Like <laughs> sex, if the end goal is orgasm, your chances of achieving it are diminished mm. because you can't be in the moment. You cut your, your 
constantly kind of pushing mentally, emotionally, and physically towards this uh, achievement. And there's so much pressure on performance, on like, I, you know, if we're talking about, say, a relationship with a penis and a vagina, oh, I have to make them orgasm and I have to orgasm for my partner. Otherwise, our sex session has been pointless. And that is really damaging. And it takes away the, the element of um, fun and playfulness and sensuality mm. from sex. So I try to, if we're talking about how to have really good sex, it the, the fundamental building block should be desire, pleasure, sensuality, satisfaction and eroticism and they are the building blocks and if you can tick those boxes chances are you'll have an orgasm anyway then that's Mm. just the cherry on top see those words all sound like i don't know how to express it but those words all sound like the same thing because i think we're not taught in our language in our lexicon of pleasure and desirability we're Mm -hmm. not we're not taught the difference do you know what i mean so yeah totally Uh, it is it's you know it's muddy waters to try and see through for for a lot of people because i mean i work in the sex industry and you have to undo all of the unhelpful information and all of the shame you've been taught surrounding sex for pleasure. Um, you know, I, like I, I went to a Church of England primary school and I remember a sex education les- lesson, which was really progressive and parents were up in arms about it. But our sex education lesson consisted of our teacher putting a tampon in a glass of water mm. so we could see how much liquid it would hold. Oh, God, I'm watching it expand and going, that's got to go in. So- oh. I mean, I was like, wow, science, eh? <laughs> Um, we had so we got to see a box of condoms, but we didn't take them out, so it was just the box. That, oh. that was it. Uh, and then the final sign-off was, you know, pleasure is between a man and a woman who are married, who mm. are in love and married. And that's, you know, I'm a kid. You don't believe what adults tell me. That's that's just, <laughs> you know, what you do. Like, yeah, great, got it. Man, woman, marriage, got mm. it. And then you start to grow up and all of these messages that you have been kind of abiding by and living by and thinking that's what I have to do, Mm. they start to sound a bit untrue and a bit like, oh, well, you know, maybe that wasn't quite the right way. And then you go to university and, you know, you're, well, we might not go to university, but I did in my case, and you start to explore and you have relationships and you, you don't behave in a truly kind of human way because you've got this voice telling you that that's not the way to do things and you you go against your your nature as a human to to connect so yeah the waters are surrounding pleasure and and all the kind of fun stuff about sex and and what I see as the point of sex is it's really murky and it's really hard to see through and it's so I think it's so important as well to understand all of them and all of the aspects and all of like what the difference is between eroticism and desirability and, and mm-hmm. you know, sensuality rather than trying to clump them all in as like, oh, well, I'll just put some makeup on or a sexy dress or something. And it's like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the case of desire, I always try and reframe it as um, like positive anticipation. Ooh. So it's all the good stuff that you feel uh, like the positive emotions towards the experience before you have it mm. and that can present itself in in so many different ways it might be you imagining what you're going to do with your partner later it might be as far as like sending text messages or 
putting an order online for some sex toys or some lingerie and waiting for that to come. It's, it's anything Ooh. you can do that's going to make you look forward to that event. So that that's what desire is really. It's not, I mean, it is desiring your partner, but that's not what we're talking about in, in this conversation. It's about how you feel, the positive emotions you can tap into that's going to get you excited for the event itself like anticipatory foreplay like exactly that it's it's a a form of mental and emotional foreplay you are tantalizing yourself with what what could be yeah I love that very nice and it's it we we've gone I think we because we're learning more about mental health as well one of the things that we uh, understand more is that lots of medications mean that it's very hard I was speaking to someone about this the other day on the podcast and they're like rather than saying um you know you have to change the way you have sex in order to have an orgasm we need to say you have to change the way you think about sex to you have to change Mm. the way you think about sex it's not about having an orgasm it's about just feeling that pleasure yeah, completely. I couldn't have put it better myself. If you, if orgasm is the thing you're driving towards, and and historically we've all been taught that you know the the point of sex or good sex mm. and orgasm go hand in hand, and they don't. They can do, and quite often they do do, mm. but they don't have to. And just appreciating that and accepting that will help you go a really long way towards having good sex and feeling because ultimately satisfaction is what we're after Mm. it's not the orgasm it's not all everything else that surrounds it it's are you satisfied are you content with your sex life and if you are then that's brilliant and you're doing all, all great things but if you're not then we have to repurpose and reframe what contentment and satisfaction actually is and quite often it's not just orgasm is this something that you go into on on climax like all these things are so fascinating to think about is there like videos of you talking about this and like no so I don't have any video content I'm an ambassador in terms of uh like I will talk about it events Mm. and kind of promote the service and explain you know what it is we do yeah Um, and as and when it's applicable I'll put it in articles if I am writing about pleasure or or anything like that but it's in terms of like me talking about this this is my favorite subject to talk about (laughs) and I don't get to talk about it enough it's something that is really shied away from like if I try and pitch if I was to try and pitch this to this conversation to a magazine like your standard like women's magazines yeah uh, it would be like, okay, great. I like that idea, but how about seven ways to orgasm that you didn't know? And it is always coming back to the orgasm. Yeah. And it feels like almost, I think for a lot of people, it looks counterintuitive for me to try and like, I'm not discounting the orgasm. I think it's absolutely a miracle and it's wonderful and it feels amazing. And it's a very important part of sex. But it's also good to appreciate that it's not the only part. And there are lots of other ways to have meaningful, sensual and satisfactory sexual experiences without having an orgasm. That's sort of like one of the benefits of being able to have different platforms and different ways to to educate people. It is unfortunate that we do get a lot of people that are like, oh, we want the seven, like you said, you know, the sort of sensationalist, like seven ways to orgasm. So we have to go out there, mainly as women, go out there and find it ourselves. Um, But we're kind of reticent to do that. Why do you think people are are reticent to invest in their pleasure? Because I I think 
for a lot of us, we've never had any importance placed on our pleasure. It's it's always been, mm. you know, even if you like, I don't know, you can you can put porn on, and nine times out of ten, you know, when when the penis is when the penis has fulfilled its purpose in porn (laughs) but when someone ejaculates that's it there's you know there's no aftercare there's no afterplay there's no conversation Mm. um and then quite a lot of the time if we're looking at a, a vulva it's oh it's squirted great that's it that's the epitome of of female pleasure and it's like, I mean, it's a bodily response to pressure. It, yeah, it can feel great, but it's not the be all and end all. There's, there's like, I have yeah. a rest of a body. Like, let's let's have a look at it. But I think really, the kind of reservations a lot of us might have for investing, like not not just time, but your money as well. Like, sex toys are expensive, mm. and you know, we get finger cramp I'm I'm not gonna like there's a reason I've got a kitchen yeah. aid in my kitchen and I don't use a hand whisk anymore <laughs> oh I thought the kitchen aid was the name of a sex toy I was like oh wow no. she's got them in every room no, brilliant it's, it's, um, my way of saying you know why tie yourself out when there is something available that can kind of do a better job than you can I mean yeah Halo have multi-functions and rechargeable it's always ready to go um but yeah so my point is that when if we grow up not uh not being kind of told or not being allowed to appreciate that pleasure is an important part of a sexual experience and a relationship that becomes it goes gets lower down on our list of importance so I think that's why a lot of a lot of people aren't that not only that aware but not that concerned like it's just never been like oh yeah, I, like I, I mean, I, I absolutely won't name names, but I was in a conversation recently where someone I was talking to said, "Oh, I think I, I can count on one hand the times I've had an orgasm with my partner," and I'm just like, "You've been together five years. That's like wow. That's, that's literally an annual event." But you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> my jaws on the floor, and I'm like, "But you deserve it." And I was like, "But do do you enjoy sex?" Uh, yeah, it's all right. I don't really get much out of it. Just wait for it to... And I'm not just like, no, we need it. Like, you Ooh. can enjoy this. It's great. And like, you know, having the conversations. But that's actually quite exciting in itself, finding someone who's just like, eh, it's all right. I don't know. I haven't had yeah. good... And and the, the, the response to one of my questions was, yeah, but what is good sex? Oh. oh. And in enters me. <laughs> I was like, let me just go to my office. Came out with a basket of goodies. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to change your life. My soul weeps. Oh my, there are things, there are things you can buy and there are platforms you can go on. But when you look at the price of something, people go, oh, well, I won't pay. If something's like a subscription, say it's, um, you know, £10 a month and they'll be like, oh no, oh, £10 a month. Why am I going to pay £10 a month when I can just like watch free porn or something like that? And it's, and it's like, but you're mm-hmm. paying £10 a month for two cups of coffees or two pints of lager or something. Well, not even that in London so why not spend the 10 pounds like to invest in yourself in something that's gonna carry you and your partners through a lifetime it seems so exactly I mean I I completely agree but having this conversation with people where you know we're in a cost of living crisis Mm. money is tight for a lot of people it seems like an unnecessary expense but I would argue that it is an absolutely necessary expense 
it because good sex and good sexual encounters not only strengthens your relationship, there are so many other benefits to it from making you feel more confident, improving your mental health and wellness to the physical side of actually improving your your physical health. People that have happy and healthy sex lives on the whole, have less coughs and colds than the average person. Their mood is elevated. It's like the the ripple effect from what is essentially the pebble of sexual wellness. Mm. It's vast. It go it goes on for miles. So my argument would be that yeah, that ten pounds is really well spent. And you know what? If after a few months you don't, you genuinely feel you've had no benefit by all means cancel it but at least you can say you tried it and and you know and then the other side of that is like oh okay i can look at porn for free mm. i think there's a lot a lot in porn that is especially on the free sites that isn't great ethically and there are lots of ethically ethically based porn sites like frolic me for example is a is a very brilliant porn site full of beautiful, beautiful people, beautiful views, beautiful bedding. <laughs> I noticed that. I was like, that's very mid-century modern. Well done. I know. Yes. But, you know, you 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 kind of get what you pay for. And you know that if you know that through your your like personal solo session, through your wank, <laughs> no one's getting harmed. It's all yeah. you know, ethically everyone's looked after everyone's had got proper breaks all the sexual health checks are done everything's above board for everyone and everyone's paid fairly and happy and comfortable and I think that goes a long way towards you know um, making sure that the the um the kind of pleasure media that we consume whether that's a novel a film or you know uh, audio whatever it is it's all the best we can possibly make it and it's not, like the free porn stuff isn't educational at all. It's not, this is how you should be having sex. This is just, this is how we're having sex. So, you know, and we'll film it and whatever, yeah. and whatever happens, happens. And, I, and I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that. I think there's a place for that kind of porn, like performative porn in, in the world. It's just with our education system surrounding sex being so poor, mm. when it's actually used as an educational tool. So... My argument is, if you, uh, I, I hear it quite a lot from parents, like they're really worried about their kid watching porn for sex education. Mm. And my answer is, well, provide good sex education for your children then, and they won't look to porn. Mm. Um, but no one wants to do that because it's but there's so much shame filtered down from like the 80s and 90s. So that a lot of people that have got young children now really aren't comfortable talking about sex, and there just aren't enough of us. To, to educate the na- nation and you know I, I feel really sorry for a lot of teachers I've got friends that are teachers and they teach drama and maths and uh religious studies yeah. and they're having to do sex education and it's not their forte and they're not comfortable with it and they just want to get it through and it's embarrassing and they've got to see these kids every day and the day after and yeah it's just get, get it done rather than get it done right <laughs> yeah. I still remember my sex education in like, you know, the it was a male teacher and we're all like 12 years old or something. And he's having to explain erections, knowing, you know, that he's got a penis and he's standing in front of a group of girls. And we're all just like, <laughs> we know what's going on. See, that's what I mean. Whereas if that was someone who did that for a living, they'd be like, yes, I've got a dick. Yes, yes it gets hard. <laughs> this is what we're talking about right now. And I never have to see you again. I'm going to go off and teach another class. 
We had a great uh, teacher. He was a science teacher and he actually showed us a video and uh, there was an ejaculating penis and all we got was, oh, good God. And then he left the room. <laughs> like he just didn't know, like it was a total shock to him. Oh, no, I do. I mean, we do we do slam sex education quite a bit, but you, I mean, you forget that there are teachers out there that have to, you know, do it. I think it's, yeah. I just wish there was platforms like this, but, you know, built for adolescents. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is something that is is sorely lacking because we've got we've got to remember the, the end user of this mm. uh, kind of sex education are young people who are probably embarrassed themselves. They probably want to Google it. They probably don't want to ask their, you know, their parents or, and their peers don't know anything. Even if I remember 11 or 12, one of my friends being like, oh yeah, I've had loads of sex. And I was just like, have you? (laughs) No, of course they haven't. But you you believe it. And it it was just one of those things. You've you've always got one in in the class that's like, yes. I'm the best. I've done it loads. <laughs> the J, the in-betweeners J. Oh, yeah, I had loads of sex. Yeah. Caravan club every year. Speaking of young people, I'm going to do another uh, question. Pick a number between 1 and 45. 7. 7. Let's do this one. Can you get pregnant off a blowjob? Oh. No is the answer. Um <laughs> Maybe, maybe, have you ever played that game where you put an after eight on your forehead and you have to like let it kind of melt down to your mouth? Maybe if there was that kind of drip situation going on, but yes, no, the answer yeah. is absolutely not. Um, I mean, I would, I would challenge the world to produce someone who's had a child for a blowjob. I don't. I, I am unaware of that ever having happened. So I think you're pretty safe. Probably the safest way to have sex is in the mouth. But I'd, I'd also say that if you're asking that kind of question, you're probably a bit too young to be giving blowjobs. So maybe don't think about it for a while. Like maybe give it a year. Come back to it at a later date. Yeah, you've got time. Don't worry. You'll get bored of them soon enough. Don't worry about it, babe. There are so many dicks in the world. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to do a couple more and then I'll let you enjoy your day. Give me another one. One to 45. Uh, 28. 28. 28. Your face, what is it? Can you use a plastic bag as a condom? Absolutely not. No, this is something I'm very, very passionate about. Safe for sex is just so important um, and using anything other than something that has been specifically and specially designed for the job is mm. a, just a no-no. If you don't have a condom, just have other types of sex. Just don't, yeah. you know, just there's there's other ways to have a nice time with someone without your clothes on. Um, the Netflix, for example. Um, <laughs> no, uh, condoms are really a fantastic barrier method uh, to protect yourself from not only unwanted pregnancy, but also STIs and STDs. But there are lots of different shapes and sizes to choose from. Now, there is a fantastic website called theyfit.co.uk. And it has the most amazing size chart available where you can put your measurements in. If you have a penis, you put your measurements in and it will tell you your size in lots of different brands. So because sizing oh. changes, just like clothing, you can walk into, you know, different clothes shops and you're a 10 in one and a 14 in another. 
Condoms yeah. are very similar. So getting a condom that fits you properly is really important. If it doesn't fit you, the chances of it splitting, coming off or coming down in some way are, are greatly, uh, or, or they're, they're higher basically. And you don't want that. You want the condom to stay on. You don't want to feel it. You just want to enjoy yourself. And you don't want to be, you know, ruining your experience through worrying about whether the condom is, is going to work properly. So theyfit.co.uk, the perfect way to find the best fitting condom for you. I see we get that so often, isn't it? I love the way you I love saying, you know, if you're feeling the condom, like we get so many boys saying, oh no, you know, I don't like the feel, I don't like the feel. And I've known, you know, men who have been like, oh, condoms don't fit me. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can fit one over my head, babe. It fits. It's just, it is just the type of fit. Like, you know, you find the right one, but guys will just go in there, grab a condom box and off they go rather than thinking about fits. I feel like there's also a stigma around guys in shops looking at condoms. If they're taking it in, they might feel like, you know, they're going to get judged, they're going to get caught, they're going to get, you know, there's a lot of choice. And when faced with a lot of choice, if you don't have the education, you're going to feel overwhelmed. So you're just going to grab the first thing that that you see that you think is going to be good. Um, And that that could essentially ruin ruin your sex. So if any... If anyone ever says to you, you know, if you if you are able to carry a child and you're about to have sex and someone says, no, I don't like condoms, they're uncomfortable. Just think about how uncomfortable labor is. And then that should help make you mm. help you make your decision on whether you sleep with that person or not. <laughs> For me, it's not even labor. It's cleaning up the mess afterwards. <laughs> oh, my God. The dignity waddle. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> Dignity waddle. <laughs> Just make sure you've got a uh, toilet roll or tissue by your bed, wet wipes, <laughs> hygiene wipes, I don't know, Dettol, whatever you need. Yeah, just anything. Such a good answer. So, oh, there she is. What a pro. What a pro. <laughs> if people want to find more of you, Annabelle, where can they find you? Um, so I'm on Twitter, Miss Bell Knight and Annabelle Knight on Instagram. Uh, and that's about it for social media. I've stripped all my social media back because it wasn't doing me any favours in lockdown. So I've just got it for work now. Um, so yeah, Annabelle Knight, Instagram, Miss Bell Knight, Twitter, or if you care, loads and loads and loads, I've got a website, which is AnnabelleKnight.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you for humouring me. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I want to see all of those questions. They're so funny. They're so good. I'll send them over to you. Oh, I loved it. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. My thanks to Annabelle Knight there. It's always such a pleasure to have a chat to her. I really enjoyed what she was talking about when it comes to sex education and especially what she was saying about investing in our own pleasure. Sometimes it is just worth that money. And believe me, oh my God, believe me, I know we are all going through a very, very difficult time when it comes to money at the moment. But sometimes there are just things that you can pay for that will give you a bit of pleasure for the rest of your life. And, you know, maybe something like that is worth investing in rather than going to all that grotty, you know, all the dirty porn. Although there is a a time and a place for dirty porn, mainly in our listener letters. (laughs) Let's go and put some hand sanitizer on and dip our fingers into the fun bags. Last week, I asked you to send me your dating app stories, good and bad. 
Uh, and you've come to me on Twitter. Callie, she says, I hate it when anyone starts with, hey, can I ask you a question? You just did, dickhead. Hope you enjoyed it because the answer is bye. <laughs> Uh, Callie, yes, I feel your pet. Hey, can I ask you a question? That's like saying, tap, 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 is this thing on? Are you there? Can you answer me? No, just start off with a good opening line rather than being an absolute twat. Uh, Sorry, got on my soapbox there, but I'm really passionate about it. Lauren, she says, just being overwhelmed with the amount of poffs in my phone. That's poff, P-O-F. If anyone saw my contacts, they'd think I was in some kind of massive P-O-F mafia family. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I've got that like Tom, poff, Tim, OKC. And if you don't know, POF is the name of a very famous dating app. And if you don't know that, then I don't know why you're listening to a sex and relationship podcast. Everyone has the first name and just the initials of the dating site from where I found them. So I I really feel your pain, Lauren. (laughs) Alison DM'd me to say, guys, please stop using group photos, not only because I have no idea which one is you, but also because I'll end up fancying your mate. Oh, so true, Alison. But the worst ones are men using their wedding photos, complete with the bride in the picture. Oh, I didn't know anyone was doing that. Oh, Alison. Oh, no. (laughs) Guys, don't use your wedding photo. Rule number one. Oh dear. Look, if you haven't had enough of this, then next week I'll be talking to Sangeeta Pillai about empowering South Asian and British Asian women. So I want you to send me your bad baity stories. Yes! Bad baities, bad baiters, get in touch. If you know what that means, then you are the people I'm talking to. Send me everything. You can slide into my DMs. Just look out for Miranda Kane with a K on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. And if you want to hear the ones we love, remember to subscribe right now. I've been Miranda Kane. Smut Drop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. And if you're enjoying this weekly oral enema, then please leave me a lully review. And in the meantime, I'm going to be back to prick up your ears next week. <laughs>